following podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. Um, I want to start, as I usually do, with a little short story. And I heard this uh, Friday night when I was watching Joyce Meyer. I was watching it the other night, and she read this story, and I thought, this is kind of cool. It has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm going to talk about this morning, but it never usually does when I do these anyway, so I might as well just stick with tradition. This is the story about everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. Anybody ever heard that one? Yeah? Okay. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have. (laughs) Kind of rings true, doesn't it? We like to complain about things, but yet we never do anything about it. This morning, um, we're going to go back in time to the Old Testament, and we're going to talk about King Jehoshaphat. Back in 2 Chronicles 20 is where we're going to go. And if you, some people are are note takers and like to title a message. Well, the title of this morning's message is, The Battle is Not Yours, But the Victory Is. So just real quick on King Jehoshaphat. His name actually means Jehovah or Yahweh be judged. He was the son of Asa the king. Uh, he took the throne about halfway through his life. I believe he was 25. I get these mixed up. He was either 25 when he took the throne or 35 and reigned for 25 or reigned for 35. But you get the gist of it. He was one that sought God um, throughout his reign. Previous kings had sought uh, the help of foreign gods such as Baal. But instead, Jehoshaphat um, removed all the foreign gods, including the Asherah poles and all that stuff. You know, we always hear that when you read anything, all the stories in First Kings, Second Kings, and Chronicles, how uh, the kings served for a while and then they did evil in the sight of the Lord. He never did that, but he did make some mistakes in his life. However, when he first took reign, he removed all those and worshipped God and had his people worship God. He got rid of all the... Uh, enemies of, uh, of God as far as foreign gods were considered. He fortified Israel's defenses. He built many forts and attempted to help the kingdom prosper in a financial sense. So he did a very good job for the kingdom back then. He led a most, uh, mostly prosperous life. He improved the military, financial power, prowess of the southern kingdom, and more importantly, as I said before, he undid the pagan rituals and the monuments um, to, uh, of the other kings before him who had practiced and worshipped them. He did have the best intentions, as most of us do, but uh, towards the end there, he twisted kind of wayward uh, in some of his friendships, and he became friends with some of the wrong people, including King Ahab. Uh, He stumbled, just like his father, but because he made alliances by marrying his son off to King um, Ahab's daughter, which was a big no-no. Um, he, uh, Ahab then attempts to draw King Jehoshaphat and his people into a war, which ultimately is what we're going to end up talking about this morning. And although uh, 
God did not approve of this marriage nor the friendship to King Ahab. God still protected Jehoshaphat and caused him to have a great and victorious victory. So if you're there, 2 Chronicles 20, 15 through 17. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. There was actually three armies that were going up against King Jehoshaphat's army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz. And I don't know if I say these right or not, so I'm just shooting them out there. And you'll find them at the gorge in the desert of Jerul. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Because the battle is his, but the victory is ours. I believe, because we live and breathe, that we all have some sort of battle. We face battle in our jobs, our family, finances, sickness, even within our own minds sometimes. First and foremost, I would like to congratulate each and every one of you for being here this morning. And you may say, why is he congratulating me being here this morning? And it's because God has already brought you through and given you victory in many battles. Battles that you have won in your past, where the enemy has tried to destroy your body by sickness. Uh, but you got the victory out of it. It's hard to destroy your marriage. But congratulations, you got the victory. The enemy tried to bring havoc on your job and your finances, but congratulations, you got the victory. Some of you just need to pat yourselves on the back and declare, the devil meant for evil, God turned it around for good. Your past battles did not destroy you, but they actually made you stronger, wiser, and more patient, and more tolerant. Now, sometimes those always don't ring true. I am one that deals, I should say, has a hard time dealing with patience. <laughs> it is definitely not my virtue. So I would like to take a moment for all of us, and we should just thank God for giving us the victory over and over again. Because it doesn't matter what we go through, he can still give us the victory. I know this, and I know everybody in this room can attest to it. We all go through the same thing. Some days, it's some, some battles are a little bit easier. Some battles are a little bit tougher. But if we stand firm, we be still, then he gives us the victory. I heard it said that we choose our battles wisely, or that we should anyway. However, truth be told, often in spiritual battles, we don't have the opportunity to choose them. They show up at our front door and we are forced to deal with the issues that life brings. Just as we have been in battles previously, there will be some battles in the future. As long as we're still here, there's going to be battles. As a matter of fact, most of us are in a battle right now. I'm not talking about a battle that you can fight with weapons of fists and sticks and clubs and guns, but I'm talking about a spiritual battle. Bible gives us instructions on how to deal with spiritual battles. God equips us to fight these battles. Ephesians 6, 12 through 13. 
And everybody knows this passage. So you can probably just like say it right with me without even having to look at your Bibles. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. In 2 Corinthians 10.4, Paul confirms this by stating that for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We must be willing to fight with spiritual weapons because it is clear that the whole body of Christ is in a battle. All you have to do is turn on the news for a minute and a half and you can see how things are going. It is clear that we are in a battle when the world has come to hate good and love evil. Again, turn the news on for a minute and a half and you'll see that. Even if you, you probably don't even need a minute and a half anymore. It's clear that we are in a battle when death is continuing to strike our family and loved ones. It is clear that we are in a battle when sickness and disease has attacked our nation like never before. It's clear that we are in a battle where immorality, hate, and violence has reared its ugly head and it's not being hid behind the scenes anymore. Everything is out in the open anymore. And it's terrible, it's disgusting, and it's scary when you see what's going on. Scary to a sense of there's so many people who... It's not so much scary for us because of who we believe in and who we belong to. But for those who don't have that, don't have the relationship that we do, it can be, if they actually understand it, it can be a very scary proposition for them. Clear that we are in a battle and divorce rates and families are being torn apart at its highest rate. It's clear that we are in a battle. The question is, now, how will we fight this battle? Ephesians 6, 13 through 17, just to read a little bit more, is a, what I wrote down as our spiritual defense class. Therefore, put, off, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. No matter what is coming against us, if we have God on our side, we are able to gain victory over every battle in our life. It doesn't matter if the odds are against us, for us most of the time, if not all the time, they are. It doesn't matter the likelihood of us winning. However, we will win in the end because God gives us the victory. It was Gideon that went into battle with 300 men versus 135,000 and gained victory. Everybody knows the, st uh, the story of David and Goliath. He fought a giant with a, with a stone and a slingshot, and God gave him the victory. There is a strategy to our winning battles. The problem becomes when we attempt to fight this battle by ourselves. God did not intend us to fight the battle alone.
As a matter of fact, we have God on our side. All we got to do is be still and let God fight our battles. And this is where, for me personally, the issue of patience comes in because those three little words or two words, be still. I have a hard time being still. I don't know about you guys, but that's a rough thing for me. I uh, currently, just this past week, I've had trouble being still, trying to, I guess, if you can, if you can say force, force God to respond to something for me because it wasn't happening fast enough. So I tried to initiate it saying, you know, if I do this, you know, then I'll get the answer to this. And so I did what I did. And it came to the end of the day when I expected the response and I got no response and I got upset because nothing happened. And then I thought to myself, well, you're an idiot. It's like, what do you, what do you think you're doing? You are, I'm not bigger than God. God is going to respond to me and respond to the situation when the timing is right. Not my timing, his timing. So I sat there and felt like I was really kind of dumb for doing what I did because I tried to force God in. I tried to force God's hand. I mean, really. I mean, you can't do that. As hard as it is, we have to be still. So I come to tell you this morning that if God is for you, who can be against you? No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. So going back real quick over the second Chronicles we read, uh, we find that Jehoshaphat is setting the standard for us on how to deal with the unexpected battles. In the text, Judah was under Jehoshaphat's leadership, which we've established. During these times, some attacks of the enemy were due to God's displeasure. We all, like I mentioned earlier, you know, we, we read how uh, Israel did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And we never do that, I know. Uh, but to God's displeasure with his people. However, this attack was to prove that God was with him. That whole be still. During these times, oh, I'm sorry, Jehoshaphat and the Judean army was not facing a normal battle, but they were facing a battle against three armies. By the time Jehoshaphat got word that the army was about to attack, or the armies, I should say, they were already too close. He wasn't expecting the battle to happen so soon or so quickly. So what did Jehoshaphat do? He set his face towards God for guidance. He not only did it himself, but he declared a fast among all the people of Judah to seek the Lord's help. While they were praying, the Spirit of the Lord came upon the prophet Jehaziel, and he began to speak a word. And I, this comes from Second Chronicles 20, 17. He told Jehoshaphat and his army, You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. He tells his army to stand still. You can only imagine the reaction and the look on the people's faces when the enemy is right there at the front door. Three armies against one. When everything around them was chaotic, 
Here's the prophet of God telling them to stand still. For us during chaotic times, with everything that's going on, we are constantly moving from place to place. When everything around us is out of control, it becomes difficult to stand still. I believe this is a strong point because often we relate progress to movement. So if we think we're moving and doing something, we're actually making headway. Wrong. I feel as though if I'm not moving, as I mentioned a little, little bit ago, I'm not winning. Sometimes God wants us to sit down and allow him to handle our light weight. He wants us to stand still. It could be that we were trying to fight a battle that was not intended for us to fight. When we stand still, it allows us to think about the many ways God has made for us. He has done it before. And guess what? He's going to do it again. When he says stand still, he means stand firm in your faith. Stand firm in your belief in him. Stand firm and just be still. God will begin to turn things around in our favor. Not only does the Lord tell them to be still, but he tells them, fear not, nor be dismayed. And that's hard to do when you're faced with a battle, isn't it? Whether it be relationship, finances, job, whatever the case may be. It's hard not to fear. It's hard not to be dismayed. So I encourage you this morning that in your battles you don't have to be afraid. I confess to you that there's been times that things have been going on for me personally in the last few months where fear has entered into my thinking. But God has always come through. And for some reason I still can't get that through my head. I'm very stubborn, as April would tell you, as well as everybody who knows me would say that. <laughs> you don't have to hide and run from the enemy. Don't be scared. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but the Lord has given us the power of love and the sound mind. <clears throat> In this season, our faith has got to outweigh our fear. Faith over fear. If the Judean army was going to fight the battle, they had to put aside all doubt and believe that God was going to give them the victory. Don't panic. Don't stress out. And don't be dismayed because of the battle. Because God is going to give you the victory. Not only does he tell them not to fear or not to be dismayed, but he tells them to go out for God is with them. I've heard it said before, that showing up is half the battle. Although God was going to give them the victory, Jehoshaphat still had to prepare his armies. He still had to go out and at least hit the battlefield. Jehoshaphat has his army readily prepared for war as he had before. However, this time, there was something different about the preparation. There was no need for mentioning of military equipment, nor did their, they did not need their swords, they did not need their shields or their spears. All they needed was to show up to the battlefield, and all they needed was to go out. I think sometimes, at least for me, I have confusion on 
you know, we, we're supposed to trust God in everything we do. We know that he's going to come through for us, that he's going to fight the battles for us. So what do I do in the meantime? Do I just sit here and wait? Do I sit here and do nothing? And I think it's clear that we don't just do nothing, but we prepare. And sometimes we don't do that. I know, I guess, let me just say, sometimes I don't do that. Sometimes I, get, I go the opposite side and do too much and try to force God's hands like I did earlier or mentioned earlier. And then there's other times when I just sit back and say, well, I'm going to go do whatever I'm going to do and have a good time doing it because God's got this. doesn't work that way. A lot of our victories are going to be won by our preparation and our ability to show up. We just have to prepare and show up. Once we get there, let God do the fighting. All they had to do was praise God. Singers sang, worshipers worshipped, and they were praising God, and the enemy was destroyed like never before. God still inhabits the praises of his people. Show up with your praise. Don't stay down, but show up. If we change our attitude to one of praise, when it comes to any situation, we can watch God give us the victory because God is in the battle. I remember when I was a kid, I played Little League Baseball. And it was during the summertime. Occasionally, we would have a team that would not, another team wouldn't show up. And because they didn't show up, they automatically forfeit. So we won. And I just want to encourage all of us to keep showing up. The other half of the battle is having a mind to fight. How many here this morning know that the enemy would love for us just to give up or to forfeit the game? How many have made up your minds that you're going to continue to fight the battle? We are not in it alone. God is with us. The Bible says that he will never leave us nor forsake us saying he is a very ever-present help in times of trouble. Whatever battle you are facing, you have a partner that is with you. Not only is he with you and me, but the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 20:15, he is willing to take on the battle as his own. And that should be very encouraging for all of us. It says, be not afraid or dismayed, for the battle is not yours, but the battle is the Lord's. Um, when I was researching this message, I came across a song it's a gospel, from a gospel singer by the name of Yolanda Adams. And the song is called The Battle is the Lord's. And I just wanted to give you the first verse if I could do that. There is no pain Jesus can't feel, no hurt he cannot heal. For all things work according to his perfect will. No matter what you're going through, remember God is using you. For the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. There's no sadness Jesus can't feel, and there's no sorrow that he cannot heal. For all things work according to the Master's holy will. No matter what you're going through, remember that God is only using you. For the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. Growing up, well, yeah, growing up, yeah. I was trying to think of how old I was when I was watching this stuff. Probably too old. Uh, I used to watch wrestling. 
back when it first kicked off, you know, they started hitting the TV back then, you know, Hulk Hogan. and You guys have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? <laughs> and I watched it back then because it was real. Not like now. <sighs> so every once in a while, they would have tag team matches. When one of the wrestlers was in the ring and he was getting tired and getting beaten because, you know, it's real. He would reach out his hand and he would tag his partner. And his partner would jump in all refreshed and ready to go and ready for the fight. I want to encourage all of us that although we have become tired and weary, become frustrated, we have a partner in Jesus waiting for us to tag him so that he could fight this battle. He said in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 29, and everybody knows this one too, so I better hear some echoing. Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. The Bible declares the only actions required from the Judean army was to go out to the battlefield and stand in their positions and their posture and watch the Lord's victory. As they went out, Jehoshaphat assigned singers to lead the army. He assigned people specifically to praise and to march with the singers. And at that very moment, those praising the singers begin to praise. The enemy started to fight against one another. When they started singing and praising God, it confused the army and they destroyed themselves. That would be a sight to see. After the battle was over, Jehoshaphat's army went in and took the spoils, everything that the enemy had left behind. You're coming out with more than when you went in, when you trust in God and let him fight your battles for you. So I want to encourage all of us that whatever battle that you're in right now, you're going to win because of who's on your side. The battle of sickness, you're going to win. The battle of worry, you're going to win. The battle of uncertainty, you're going to win. The battle of family issues, you're going to win. The battle of financial problems, you're going to win. The battle of job issues, you're going to win. All you have to do is be still. God will fight your battle. Jesus himself understood the concept of being still and letting God fight his battle. Picture him on the cross. He was fighting a battle, but all he did was be still. He was bruised in his side nailed to the cross, and a crown of thorns was placed on his head. He was ridiculed, mocked, and scorned, and he stayed still. They took him to an old rugged tomb, and all he did was be still. He stayed still for one day. He stayed still for two days. But on that third day, he declared victory. When the stone was rolled away, he got up out of the grave and claimed victory over death, hell, and the grave. What could be more encouraging than that? Um, we're going to play a video real quick. And you, I think I've used this clip before. 
Um, I'm just going to give this brief introduction of it because I know everybody knows the movie. The coach is in his office, struggling. He's in a bat. He's in the midst of a battle. He's got a lot of stuff going on. Cars broke down. Uh, him and his wife can barely afford their mortgage. They're eating cheese and bologna sandwiches and apples for dinner. He's not getting in a raise. Uh, he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what to do. And now, uh, and, his, and they can't have kids. They have not been able to bear children. And now he's to the point where the school is about ready to fire him. So he is in the ultimate battle. So I just want to play this clip, and then I'll come back up and finish with it. So here you go. Mr. Bridges? Revelation chapter 3 says, We serve a God that opens doors that no one can shut, and he shuts doors that no one can open. He says, Behold, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know you have a little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Coach Taylor, the Lord is not through with you yet. You still have an open door here. And until the Lord moves you, you're to bloom right where you're planted. I just felt led to come and tell you that today. Mr. Bridges. You believe God told you to come tell me that? I do. I admit to you I have been struggling. But I've also been praying. I just don't see him at work here. Grant, I heard a story about two farmers who desperately needed rain. And both of them prayed for rain. But only one of them went out and prepared his fields to receive it. Which one do you think trusted God to send the rain? Well, the one who prepared his fields for it. Which one are you? God will send the rain when he's ready. You need to prepare your field to receive it. Prepare for rain. God fought the battle. Obviously, this was just a movie. But he fought the battle. And if you've watched the movie, like I've asked you to do so many times, you'll see how it turned out. God fought and won the battle for him. I just want to encourage all of us to prepare for rain. Show up to the battlefield and be still and let God do what he's going to do. About a week or so ago, I started reading a book by Rick Warren. Does everybody know who Rick Warren is? It's called God's Power to Change Your Life. And I just kind of found this to be fitting for this message. God's ideal way of changing us is to have us read the Bible and find out how we should live and then depend on His indwelling Spirit to enable us to do it. Unfortunately, most of us are stubborn. And we don't change that easily. So God brings a third tool to work on us. Circumstances. Problems, pressures, heartaches, difficulties, and stresses always get our attention. 
C.S. Lewis once said that God whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts at us in our pain. In the Phillips translation of Romans 28 through 29, it says, To those who love God, who are called according to his plan, everything that happens fits into a pattern for good. God chose them to bear the family likeness of his son. Nothing can come into a believer without the Heavenly Father's permission. It must be Father-filtered. The interesting thing about how God uses circumstances is that the source of how God uses circumstances is that the source of the circumstances makes no difference to him. We often bring problems onto ourselves by faulty decisions, bad judgment, and sins. At other times, our problems are caused by other people. Sometimes the devil causes things to happen to us, as he did with Job. But God says the source of the circumstances are irrelevant. Proverbs 20, 30 says, Blows and wounds scrub away evil, but beatings purge in the innermost being. Perhaps you've experienced the truth of this verse. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. In other words, we are not as likely to change when we see the light as when we feel the heat. Why? Because we change only when the fear of change is exceeded by our pain. I hope uh, this message, it was helpful for you this morning. It was helpful for me when I wrote it. So I hope it had the same impact on you. I appreciate you guys giving me the time today. Thank you. God bless. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I